Hello and welcome to the Sound of History podcast. My name is Nick. My name is Mika and I'm eating M&M's. You tried to jump the gun there for a second. <laughs> I was just really excited to share about my M&M's. This is a music history podcast where we're teaching M- Mika all about American music history. And she is learning so much and she can basically teach a college level class on it right now. Okay. I'm trying to not chew my M&M into the mic. <laughs> okay. I, I hope I'm succeeding. That's going to be really annoying if I'm not. Well, today we talk about a fun, fun style of music. Do you remember what we're talking about? Circus music. You gotta stop me. No, I'm just gonna let you go. Today we're talking about funk music. But first, we got all the other stuff we gotta do. Just a little teaser. First, a message from our sponsor. Who's our sponsor? Did you get M&M. us a sponsor? M&M's. Oh, I wish. Oh. <laughs> Just freeze like monthly supply of M&M's. That'd be great. That would not be great. This podcast is fueled by M&M's. It. it is fueled by M&M's. And candles. And candles. Creativity candles. TM. Pending. <laughs> <laughs> it's not pending. <laughs> Can we make a candle scent? I don't know how to do that. If you want to try and figure it out, well, I guess you can. I know how can. to do it with like patty wax. Yeah, I'm sure that's the same. Yeah. As mass producing a candle. Okay, well first, follow us on social media. Twitter.com slash soundofhistory underscore. Even though I don't think we've posted on there in like two weeks. Like I haven't even posted the episode announcements. We're very Damn. bad. Tell your friends about us. Or don't. Review us on iTunes and wherever else you can review podcasts. Let people know about us. We have fun here. Right, guys? We have fun. (laughs) (laughs) Speaking of fun, it's Mika is the host now. Even though I feel like feel like I can just do this one. What? I know what you're going to talk about. What am I going to talk about? You're going to talk about the meal you just made, probably. I am <laughs> going to talk about the meal that I just made. Would you like to tell the people what we ate for dinner? Oh, boy. Pork. Yeah. Pimento cheese. No. And like a tomato with spinach in it. Okay. I'll give you two out of three. Okay. You want to give another guess for the third ingredient or no, portion? I think I'm sticking with pimento cheese called polenta gosh it was so good it was so buttery i didn't think that i added that much butter but i had to turn it from like a log of polenta because it wasn't like normally it's like you cook it like similar to how you'd cook rice like you let it cook in the milk and in like the stock but it was just a log of already cooked polenta that had to like cut up and then make creamy i added apparently a good amount of butter it was so good and cheese. That was good. Oh, so delicious. Yeah, and then like a tomato, spinach, shallot sauce. And you marinated the pork. <laughs> I did. Good job. It was good. It wasn't as good as the polenta, but I mean, we can't all be the star here. 
pimento cheese would have been better. No, it would not have been. Yeah, it would. You take it back right now. <laughs> I love pimento cheese. Yeah. Is that, is that it? No, I'm just crunching my M&M. You can't do that while you're the host. You can do that while I'm the host. This is your segment. You can't. Yeah, it's my <laughs> segment. I'm going to do what I want. It's my party. I'll cry if I want to. I would also like to take my segment to shout out. What's your spaghetti policy podcast? Oh, because they're so cool. And Jacob is my friend, even though he doesn't have my number. And so right now on this podcast, Jacob, here's my number. It's six. Don't, <laughs> <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> I think that's all I got. That's it? All that's right. it. Mika no longer the host now? Mika's no longer the host now. Can I eat my M&Ms without judgment? Do you have an outro song? Okay. Well, now we're getting into what people come here for. How dare you? <laughs> How dare you insult the ingenious podcast within a podcast? For the past several episodes. Did you just, just ignore me? <laughs> yes. Moving on. I couldn't think of a segue, so I just moved on. <laughs> For the past several episodes, we've talked about pop music in the 60s. We started with the British Invasion, which is arguably like the biggest music thing happening in the 60s. But we also talked about Motown and Phil Spector. Yeah, that was insane. Yeah. Do you remember anything about like Motown or British? Anything you want to point out about any of the 60s so far? To the 60s. <laughs> hey, if this is the first one that you're listening to, hi, <laughs> how are you? Also, go listen to the other one. Go listen to the last episode because, oh, sweet Jesus. <laughs> yeah, it was Phil Spector. Mika didn't know about him. I did it not. Fun. Oh, my God. What a... Ooh, <laughs> wow. Well, this week... We're talking about a brand new genre of music that we have not covered before. Funk music. What do you know about funk? Or like, what do you think of when you hear funk music? Funk soul brother, right about now. Funk soul brother, check it out now. Funk soul brother. I don't think that's funk. I don't think so either. <laughs> Is that all you know? Just a song that's not funk music. That you asked to what say I funk. think of <laughs> when I hear funk. And I told you what I think of when I hear I funk. Said at I said the first question I asked was, what do you know about funk? Right about <laughs> now. <laughs> well, we'll see if we can teach you anything. I Afros. Yeah. That's, I mean, yeah, sure. So amazing. What, afros or funk music? Afros. Yeah. Amazing. Beautiful. All right. I'll get an afro. I think Jacob has an afro. Again. <laughs> beautiful. I don't know if you'd call it an afro. Funk music originated in the mid-1960s out of African-American communities. It incorporated a lot of different elements from jazz, soul, and R&B music, but focused heavily on the beat and the rhythm sections. It de-emphasized the melody lines and instead created something with a hard-driving rhythm made for dancing. It used a syncopated rhythm and really focused on the rhythm guitar. I like syncopation. Yeah. The bass was also a very important instrument to funk music. 
The vocals, which were usually shouted or spoken instead of sung, relied heavily on soul music for inspiration. I don't like that. Really? Really. All right. Well, we'll see what you think. I've generally never loved... Spoken word? Well, yeah. Okay. It's not my favorite in music. I just want you to sing it. Unless it's coming out of my cage and I've been doing just fine. <laughs> That's okay, but only because it slaps. <laughs> well, maybe some funk music will slap. Maybe it will. It also featured a brass section for percussive effect that greatly resembled jazz bands. Funk also played a large role in the development of hip-hop through sampling and borrowing riffs. The actual music of funk, although it is created to be danceable, is actually quite intricate and technically complicated. I like that. But the idea is that the riffs are repeated over and over until they become easy to dance to. So it's like worship music, but with the music instead of the lyrics. Okay. (laughs) I did not know where you were going with that. Worship music repeats lines over and over in order to make it easy to sing along to, because you don't have to really know the song to start singing along to it. And it's the same thing with this. Like the riffs are just repeated so you can dance to it without really knowing what's happening. The songs are built from the small repeated riffs instead of from harmonies or melodies, as is like common with songwriting. With the British Invasion, we really saw the explosion of the electric guitar, but in funk, it kind of takes a backseat. Guitars are mostly used as additional percussive instruments, and the bass is really like the focal point instrument, which is interesting. I don't think that's happened before. That's cool. Traditionally, the brass sections play together, but it's not uncommon to have a trumpet or other brass solo, kind of like in jazz. Funk would really hit its peak in the 70s. The earliest foundations for the genre were laid in the 60s with artists like Sly and the Family Stone and James Brown. All right, so you think you got a grasp of what funk is? Yeah. Okay, you want to like briefly explain it? Do you think I'm not paying attention? No, I just like hearing your explanations because they're oftentimes strange. <laughs> you compared one genre of music to a station wagon once. <laughs> so Which genre? I don't know. Like ragtime, maybe? Okay. <laughs> and one, the, another one was the mystery van from Scooby-Doo. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that makes sense. Is that Jaws, though, actually? <laughs> I don't know. I don't remember. No, 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 no. So what kind of car? Like, have we talked about anything that's like psychedelic yet? No, that's like the seventies. That's next. We talk about funk, and then we talk about psychedelic rock. What kind of car is funk? Is it a pedal Ooh. tavern? Uh, uh-uh, uh, no. We're talking about intricate here. <coughs> the problem is that I don't know what cars are intricate because I don't know cars. I just know their vibe. <laughs> <laughs> well, what vibe is it then? The mystery machine. (laughs) Not everything can be the mystery machine. (laughs) It's okay. Hold on. I'm getting. Nothing. I'm getting nothing. (laughs) All right. Maybe it's not a car. Maybe it's like a moped. Ooh. Okay. Well, I'm just going to assume. You have an understanding, a basic understanding of what funk oh, music is. Oh, I was supposed to explain it more? <laughs> more than I don't know what car it is, probably. <laughs> <laughs> That's all you care about, though. Okay, 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 okay. Um, 
funk is the repeating the repeating rhythms and riffs and you dance and you go no 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 and well no it's just bass so it's more like doom 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 <laughs> and then shouting <laughs> <laughs> sounds like a nightmare it does. <laughs> All right. Hold we'll on. We're going to make our own jazz music. Do you want to do funk? Do you want to do 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 or do you want to shout? I don't want to do either. <laughs> okay, I'm going to do 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 do. You ready? Hold on. Here we go. Boom. 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 You got to come in though, okay? I'm not. Boom. 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 Okay, then you got to like cut me on top of myself. It just sounds like someone's sneaking through a museum in a movie or something. Like yeah. Boom. 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 Wow. Hold on. Hold on. Sneak it through the museum. <laughs> this is what you get. This is what you get when you wanted me to do it. This is not good. <laughs> All right, I'm going to say that means you have a good grasp on what So now we'll transition and we'll talk about right like about now. Folks, <laughs> all about now. Boom, 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 boom. Oh, goodness. We'll talk about where it all came from. The word funk actually comes from a Latin word that means to smoke. It first started appearing in the English language in the 1600s to refer to a particularly strong smell. Funky. Yeah. Eventually, funky came to refer to anything like musty or musky. The jazz communities of the early 1900s picked it up and started using the word to describe something earthy or deeply felt. Oh, I like that. But by the 1950s, it was common to refer to jazz music as funky. And that's how funk got its name. Just stole it from another genre of music? Well, I mean, jazz heavily inspired funk. So I just, I don't know, just kind of came naturally. M&M's heavily inspire me, but I can't steal them from the store. Well, you can. You shouldn't, but you can. I believe in you. You're capable of anything. I don't know about that. Especially our Kroger. They don't care. You can do whatever you want in there. That's true. (laughs) (laughs) The very roots of funk came from New Orleans in the 40s. Before that, a lot of the blues lacked asymmetric timeline patterns and polyrhythms. What? You, like, jerked around? Mika's the host now. Okay. Our cat tower. (laughs) Our cat scratching post is so cute. Can we share it? Is anyone out there? Okay, here. Here's what we'll do. If you love cats and you own cats as your family members. Do you have to be both? What if you own cats but you don't like them? You kind of have to like them because you want to gift them with something cool. Okay. So it, it it is you have to do both. Just like tell us and we can like send you the link of our little, our little cat, our little cat scratching post and it has the balls that they chase in the in the lines and they love it so much it's so great it was 25 bucks on amazon maybe we should just post it we're just gonna post it we're just gonna post it that means we have to post something Mm -hmm. we're not good at that Mm -hmm. yep this is what happens when you don't use our twitter the first tweet in like three weeks is gonna be a A link to a cat scratching post okay 
Because it's so cute. It it's so cute and it's, it's so good. All right. Megan no longer the host now. Megan no longer the host now. Back to funk. I, rel- I relinquish. Okay. So before the 40s, a lot of blues lacked asymmetric timeline patterns in polyrhythms. But around the time that R&B first started forming, New Orleans musicians were especially inspired by Afro-Cuban music. And from that, this kind of multiple complex rhythm started to spring up in R&B and blues. Still tracking or are you distracted with cats? Both. Okay. There was a particular New Orleans blues pianist named Professor Longhair. Mm -mm. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds like a character. I mean, probably. Who originally learned to play on a piano that was missing keys, which influenced his style. Hmm. He performed in a New Orleans band called the Shuffling Hungarians. Where are they getting these names? <laughs> What's his name? Professor Longhair. And he's playing with the Shuffling Hungarians. What's he the professor of? Long hair. I think everyone had long hair back then, so it's really not like Only the impressive. Cool Well, with the Shuffling Hungarians, he wrote four songs for a local label. One of them ended up being his signature hit. During the 40s, he listened to and played with a lot of musicians from the islands. He fell in love with Mambo Records and started to incorporate that into his style. Hey, what islands? Like, just kind of like the Caribbean islands, like Philippines, Bahamas, Cuba. I don't know. I don't think that is where the Philippines are. It's not. That's like above Australia. Okay. <laughs> I was like, I don't think that I yeah. know. No, I missed more that. About, like more Jamaica, about geography that than kind you. of stuff. Okay. I was so confused. <laughs> <laughs> he fell in love with Mambo Records and started to incorporate that into his style. His particular type of music started to be called Roomba Boogie. Rumba Boogie? I don't know. DJ Roomba. Yes, exactly. Roomba Boogie. His song, Mardi Gras in New Orleans, originally released in 1949, is one of the first to combine blues with a Cuban, like with Cuban instruments in an intricate rhythm. That's cool. Here is Mardi Gras in New Orleans by Professor Longhair. I just don't know what to do with that name. Appreciate and love it. Professor Longhair with Mardi Gras in New Orleans. Goodness. Nailed it. I was closer than I expected to be. This shift in the R&B scene in New Orleans laid the foundation for funk, a foundation that was picked up by James Brown. 
Do you remember James Brown? No. We haven't talked about him yet. I mean, we've talked about him a little bit, but he's the next episode. So we'll talk about him a lot more. Then why would I know him? Because he's very famous. I don't know. <laughs> he has a very boring name. Yeah, Not boring. Normal. Yeah, very basic. A lot of people say that funk music was created by James Brown, who is also known as the Godfather of Soul. They can't make up their minds. No, I don't think he could either. He started out in blues and gospel-based bands, but decided to switch it up and try something different. Again, we'll talk about him more next episode, but it's hard to talk about the birth of funk without at, la- at least bringing him up. James Brown started to Africanize a lot of his music, focusing on rhythm and riffs. This was evident in his 1965 single called Papa's Got a Brand New Bag. I have heard that. Well, here it is again. Here is Papa's Got a Brand New Bag by James Brown. Shindy proudly presents a human package of dynamite. A version of his own time. The one and only James Brown. He's got moves. And great hair. This is good. Okay. You're more on board with funk now? I approve. I was always on board. You said you didn't like the vocal styling. Well, I generally don't like spoken stuff as much. I don't know. That was just, I didn't even notice. No, that one wasn't super like spoken or shouted. Yeah. Through this one and other songs, James Brown's band solidified the funk beat. Which is an aggressive rhythm. <laughs> it's an aggressive rhythm that put an emphasis on the first note. Boom, boom, like that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You got yep. it. Mm-hmm. I know how music works. By his own admission, James Brown would not have developed funk if it wasn't for Little Richard. Do you remember Little Richard? I cannot forget Little Richard. <laughs> He's great. Brown mentioned that Little Richard had started to create the funk sound within rock and roll in the 50s. After Little Richard's band broke up, because Little Richard switched to gospel music, a few of the members joined James Brown's band that started to develop this funk beat like more seriously. So, they kind of worked with both of them, and so they developed funk. Yeah, probably. They just... Their names weren't on the records, so James Brown Mm. gets more of the credit. Through the end of the 1960s, Brown released more songs that developed the beat. He accentuated the first beat instead of the second and the fourth and brought out the bass line. His songs, Ain't It Funky Now in 1967 and Mother Popcorn in 1969. I can get on board with that. (laughs) Really showcase his style of funk music. 
It's mother popcorn. It's, yes. It's not child popcorn. <laughs> it's only mother popcorn. Well, you're not a mother. I am mother to cats. <laughs> I don't think that counts. Echo wants to eat my popcorn all of the time, <laughs> so tell me it doesn't count. It's mother popcorn. Brown's work from 1965 through 1968 solidified funk as a genre. It laid the groundwork and kind of defined what the genre was. Before that, people might have been playing stuff that we may now call funk music, but Brown's records like gave it a meaning and kind of created a genre. It like set the boundaries of what funk music was. It's also important to note the influence of a guy named Clyde Stubblefield. That's a good name. Who was James Brown's drummer during this period. Good. Yes. He was highly influenced by the New Orleans style of drumming from people like Professor Longhorn's band. Long Longhair's band. <laughs> Sorry. I think Longhorn is like a... Other steakhouse. than a steakhouse. I, isn't that like a Native American warrior? I don't remember. Yeah, I'm not going to pretend like I ever knew. He brought that style into Brown's music and created a New Orleans drumming sound that the other funk bands all started to copy. And as like the percussive elements are so important to funk, that kind of New Orleans drum beat that he brought into it is just so important. Go for him. He might have given funk its start, but James Brown was far from the only artist playing funk during this period. The Meters were a funk band formed in New Orleans in 1965. They became the house band for a local label called Sansu Enterprises. In 1969, they released a couple of albums that were hits on the R&B charts, but after a label switch in the early 70s, they struggled to make it back into the charts. By 1980, the Meters had officially broken up, but most of them went on to be great touring and session musicians. I feel like if you can like play funk music well, you can pretty much play anything. Hmm. It's so intricate and complex. Although they never achieved the commercial success of groups like Sly and the Family Stone or Cool and the Gang, many consider them to be the best musicians in the funk genre and the tightest band of the time period. Do you want to hear one of their biggest hits? Yes, I want to hear one of their biggest hits. It's called Sissy Strut. I love it. Uh, yeah. These names. <laughs> Than in terms of like getting you to dance? Yes. Like it. A man named George Clinton, who was born in North Carolina and raised in New Jersey, would take the groundwork that James Brown did and carry it to extremes. While cutting hair at a barbershop in New Jersey, he formed a doo-wop group called the Parliaments. Was it a quartet? Probably. After that, Clinton was a songwriter for Motown for a bit before his band scored a couple of minor hits at the end of the 60s. 
they released a song called I Wanna Testify, which turned out to be a hit. In order to support the chart success, Clinton rounded up a touring band and hit the road. Here is I Wanna Testify by the Parliaments. It is Quintet. Ooh, and they all look sharp. You can tell that they're around a barber. Testify. George Seems Clinton's doo-wop group. It was more of a, like a soul song or a doo-wop song than a funk one. Like that's yeah. not really funk, but we're getting there. During a contractual dispute, George Clinton lost the name Parliaments, so he started a new band which he called Funkadelic. That band featured the five touring musicians he formed to support his old band, and it featured the five members of the Parliaments as uncredited guest vocalists. So it was the same band, basically. It's just like he had this doo-wop group of vocalists, and then he had the band of musicians, the band he called Funkadelic, and then the vocalists were still the Parliaments. It's just he lost that name. Draken. Yes. Okay. I was before the explanation. <laughs> okay. I'm not dumb, despite my outward appearance <laughs> and the things that I say. <laughs> George Clinton positioned the band as a psychedelic funk band. In 1970, he relaunched Parliament, so he was now the leader of two different bands, Parliament and Funkadelic. How did he get the name back? I don't know. Resolve the contractual issues. I don't know who they were with, but... The bands featured the same exact members, but were marketed as creating two different kinds of funk. They became known for their outrageous live performances, their outlandish fashion, and their embrace of the psychedelic culture. Well, I love them. Show me the fashion. <laughs> for a while, they dominated the diverse music world. They had 40 R&B hit singles, three number ones, and three platinum albums during the 1970s. Wow. Many different musicians in the 80s and 90s cite Clinton and part Parliament Funkadelic as massive influences. Along with James Brown, he might be the most sampled musician in early hip-hop. Really? Yeah. In 2019, Clinton retired from touring after having a pacemaker installed, but he indicated that he was pretty sure the band would continue on without him. Hmm. And then COVID hit, so you know. Oh. Dang. <laughs> P-Funk, as the band is often called, really pushed the boundaries in the popularity of funk music. They mix the interest of psychedelic rock from musicians like Jimi Hendrix with James Brown's style of R&B to create something like really unique to them. Their live shows were a true experience. Other than James Brown, I'd argue that George Clinton is the biggest influence and ambassador for funk music. I want to see some P-Funk. All right, well, here is a P-Funk performance. Heck yeah. <laughs> I'm seeing some 
costumes. Yeah, I mean they're very like sci-fi. They're very. Recording angels. We have returned to claim the pyramid. Is it the mothership? I am the mothership connection. Get down in 3D. I like their groove. If you hear any noise, ain't nobody but me and the boys. Turn the motherfucker out. That's the point. Doing the loose booty. It's quite the gap. Give me a quite the word. He's got like squirrel tails. He's dangling off of his outfit. But they're like pink and orange. Oh, and his shirt. I'm so sorry. The home of the P Funk, the bomb. I bet your memory banks don't forget this funk. His hair is getting stuck in the microphone. (laughs) Also, you've seen him before. You've seen this wolf before. It's your dog. He was in How I Met Your Mother. Oh, yeah? Yeah, he was the guy that Lily saw in San Francisco when she left Marshall. And she had that little lunch with him. You don't remember that? No. Well, well, she was in, he was in How I Met Your Mother. Okay, cool. 1970 really marked the start of the heights of funk. A few other bands started to see real commercial success with funk. The band Tower of Power released their debut album in 1970, which helped to spread funk to a wider audience. Dyke and the Blazers released an album that was first to have the word funk in the title. Earth, Wind, and Fire started around this time, which is also a funk band. Bootsy Collins, who got a start as (laughs) Parliament Funkadelic's bassist, started his own solo project that really took off. Bootsy. (laughs) So there's a lot of different, like, funk bands doing a lot of cool stuff in 1970. In 1971, marking the power of funk music, Sly and the Family Stone released a song called Thank You that reached number one. Sly and the Family Stone, have you heard of them? Do you know who they are? No. Well, you might have heard some of their music. Sly and the Family Stone started in 1966 in San Francisco and was the brainchild of Sly Stone, who brought in his brother Freddie and his sister Rose, along with a few other musicians. It was the first American band to have a racially integrated male and female lineup. Nice. Sly also got a start as a member of a doo-wop band before being a disc jockey where he played a lot of the Beatles and the Rolling Stones, giving him a feel for that kind of like rock and roll style. He also started to produce records for San Francisco bands. Sly started busy. a band. <laughs> what? He's busy. Yeah. Sly started a band called Sly and the Stoners. 
which is probably not easily marketable back then. Okay. What are you doing? My <laughs> mic is down here now. You can put it up. <sighs> so while he had Sly and the Family Stoners, his brother Freddie started a different band called Freddie and the Stone Souls. They're really all about stone and yeah. stoned stoners. <laughs> Well, That's I mean, our last name, but like still. Yeah, Someone suggested that they combine the bands, so they became Sly and the Family Stone. Their first album in 1967 was adored by other musicians and critics, but was a commercial flop, meaning they were pretty limited in where they could play. Clive Davis, who was an executive at their record label, stepped in and asked them for a more pop, a more pop-friendly record, to kind of like launch their careers. So the band recorded a song that they all hated. <laughs> Sly blended their psychedelic rock sound with commercially friendly pop beats to create what saxophonist Jerry Martini called the most unhip thing we could do. <laughs> Dance to the Music released in 1967 and peaked at number eight in the charts. Do you know Dance to the Music? The dance, dance, dance till you're dead. I don't know. Off, oh, oh, well, no, I, I mean, I, I, you probably, I was joking, but like, yeah, I can't place it. Well, it was also listed at number two hundred and twenty-three on Rolling Stone's list of five hundred greatest songs of all time. Again, who gets to decide that? I think they just redid it, and it was a like a disaster. <laughs> really, <laughs> it was bad. Really? Yeah, or at least they did a couple years ago. I don't know, but like, there's a lot of like modern songs that have no business being anywhere near the top. Really? There. Yeah. Like what? I don't remember. We'll have to see if we can find it. Okay. But <laughs> I remember it being laughed about quite a bit, and also Rolling Stones. Like, no one cares about Rolling Stone anymore. It's not. Mm. It used to be like the arbiter of music, and now everyone's like, no one reads Rolling Stone anymore. No one cares. Yeah. I love you, Rolling Stone. Please sponsor us. <laughs> <laughs> this After M&M's. Yes. And Disc Insider. Ooh. <laughs> Dance to the Music launched them into success and introduced them and their distinct sound to a large number of people. But by the 70s, they couldn't get out of their own way. They fell deeply into drug use and their recording slowed. However, they got it together long enough to release a song called Thank You that hit the top of the Billboard singles chart. It features references to their other hit songs and is widely considered to be the introduction of the slap technique on the electric bass. Cool. Yep, here is Thank You. I also think it's a performance. Valentine the Mice Elf again. Sure. Okay, you try. Love her. Love him. Love. Thank you for letting me be myself. 
Right. Thank Great. You. Thank you by Sly and the Family Stone. In the 80s, funk changed quite a bit. The horn section started to be played by synthesizers, and a lot of the complexity of the instrumentation started to be reduced. So it's kind of like a lot of what made funk music funk was kind of changing. Everything started to turn commercialized, which meant they wanted fewer musicians to pay. Freaking capitalism. <laughs> they started to use drum machines, and the slap bass technique started to fade out of new songs. Boo. Some people still tried to use the new machines to create that real, authentic funk sound. People like Africa Bombada basically created a subgenre called electrofunk mm-hmm. by trying to mold the new machines into the classic funk sound. Here is Planet Rock by Africa Bombada, which I think is heavily influenced by George Clinton in P Funk. The Zulu Nation can yo get funky. Yeah, just hit me. Just taste the funk and hit me. Just get on down and hit me. That bot just getting so fucking I hit me. Yeah, just hit me. It's time to chase your dreams. How about the seats? Make your body straight. Socialize. It's definitely not the same. Electro-funk. It's not the same, but I like it. By the end of the 1980s, funk basically disappeared from the mainstream. But new rock bands started to incorporate elements of funk into their sound. People like the Red Hot Chili Peppers and Prince drew on funk to create what they called funk rock or funk metal. Funk is still around, but largely only exists in the mainstream because of its influence on hip-hop and R&B. Rappers still turn to funk music for inspiration, but I don't think many funk songs are going to be like making today's top ten. And that's that's funk music. That's episode fifty. Fifty for funk. <laughs> Next week we talk about James Brown. Then we talk about Aretha Franklin. Me. I don't know why she's with funk. Yeah. She's a bonus episode. So she's not with funk. I just kind of felt like we needed to talk about Aretha. So I <laughs> threw Aretha in. Were you reading a book at this time in the writing <laughs> process? No, not about Aretha. I just, like, I know Aretha needs to go somewhere. Like, we can't do this podcast and not talk about Aretha Franklin. But, like, she's ever, like, she's not a genre. She's like, everywhere. where do I put her? <laughs> so I was like, I'll just throw her after James Brown. And then we talk about Psychedelic Rock and the Grateful Dead. And that's all I know, because I haven't written anything else. All right, anything to add about funk before we get out of here? Good times. That is what they were going for, so they'd be happy to hear you say that. I like it. You think you learned about funk music now? Yeah. Cool. Appreciate it more? Sure. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) <laughs> All right, well, join us next week where we continue to talk about funk, but James Brown, who is kind of like a lot of genres. So we'll cover a lot of stuff. Exciting. 
Bye.